0: Hello, and welcome to Tanakhstudy.com. This is Shani Taragan and today, before we continue with the next P'ticha of chapter 7, verses 22 through 27, dealing with a general prohibition of fats and blood, not necessarily related just to the Karbanot, we're going to review some of the Karbanot that we mentioned yesterday, namely the Katshek Kalim, the two different types of Shlamim. Today we will focus on the interesting laws of the times to eat the shlamim, and the internal differentiation that exists between the two types of shlamim. We learned last week that there's a difference of opinion between the Parshanim regarding the meaning of the name shlamim. Rashi cited two opinions, either that they spread peace in the world or they bring peace to the Mizbeach and to the Kohanim and to the owners for everyone enjoys from the eating of the sacrifice. Rashi understands the etymology of the karban shalomim as stemming from shalom. His grandson Rashbam, however, understands the term shalomim deriving its meaning from lishalim, someone who vowed and needs to pay his vow, namely from the language of payment. But even as a vow, it is clearly a voluntary vow, an expression of happiness, spiritual emotion, ahava, as we discussed last week. Now, as we review the pasukim dealing with the karvan shlamim, we're going to see how the text differentiates between the two different types of shlamim, beginning with pasuk yud aleph verse 11: "Vzot torat zavach shlamim machayakriv la donai, im al tuda yakrivenu veakriv al zavach tuda chalot matzot bululot b'shemen ur kike matzot mishuchim b'shemen v'solat murbehet chalot bululot b'shemen." Followed by five pasukim later. This is the ritual of the sacrifice of the shlamim that one may offer to Hashem. Just as we saw last week in Parashat VaYikra, the im terminology, if and if, comments to the laws of sacrifices, generally referring to two different types that are encompassed within one basic category. So, to here, the first case, if he offers it for a thanksgiving a toda offering, followed by, if the sacrifice he offers, is a neder, a vow, or free will, nidava offering. These are the two types of shlamim, each with different laws pertaining to them, and the psukim mainly emphasize the primary difference as one of the time in which each one is eaten. We've discussed numerous times already how this is one of the basic differences that exists between the two classes of karbanot. The classes of Kodshei Kodshim, the sacrifices with a major degree of sanctity, which are slaughtered on the north of the altar, which are eaten only in the temple court, and which are eaten during this very specific time, the day that the korban is brought, and the following night, technically until the morning, although Chazal limited the eating until midnight, adam to keep man away from sin. The Kalim, however, are slaughtered in any place of the temple court. They are eaten throughout the areas, even beyond the Chatzir, and the time for eating is the day that the korban is brought, and the following night, and the entire next day. So we're going to examine now the significance, particularly of this third category. Why should there be a time difference with regard to eating the different sacrifices? Why are the kohanim allowed to eat from a for example, a sin offering, only during the day which the korban is brought and the night, while the owners of a shalamim are allowed to eat from it for two days and the night in between? In order to fully grasp this concept, I'd like to share with you an idea that I learned from Rav Yoni Grossman and has truly transformed the way that I understand the concept of time the Karban Shlameim highlights that there are two different ways of measuring time. One way is unique to the Mikdash, to the Mishkan, and the other is in effect for the rest of the world. For Am Yisrael, or for the nation, the proletariat, the day starts at night and continues into the following day, as we know from Shabbat, beginning after sunset on the sixth day, and the night is already considered Mikudash, sanctified by Shabbat. In contrast, The time of the mishkan, or for now we'll call it temple time, begins in the morning and continues until the ends of the following night. That's why we saw that the truma of the Dushin, the lifting up and the removing of the ashes, takes place first thing in the morning. The offerings that are brought during the day burn until the ends of the following night because it's considered one continuous time unit. When a Kohen eats of the koche kochim, Essentially, he's eating from what belongs to the altar, to the Mizbeach. Therefore, the time within which the priest may eat this korban is integrally associated with the time that the Mizbeach may eat the korban, since both the Kohanim and the Mizbeach share within its consumption. The Kohanim have to finish their meal when the Mizbeach finishes its meal, and this is at the end of the unit of time within which the sacrifice was slaughtered, In other words, a day of slaughtering together with the following night. The Korban Shlamim, however, is not set aside just for the Mizbeach. Or, in other words, Hashem sets the table for two, for Hashem and for the owners of the Korban, two equal partners fully participating in the meal. Therefore, the two time units are joined, a temple day, where the night follows the day, And then, the second, a standard day, where the night precedes the day. In effect, the time that results from the combination of both of these units of time, of Hashem, or the Mizbeach's unit of time, beginning from the morning, together with our unit of time, that begins in the evening, when combined, creates two days and one night in between them, with the night serving, both as the end of Temple time, but also the beginning of standard man time. Now we understand the difference, not only with regard to the dining times, but also the dining rooms, or the reason for the different dining areas where one may eat the korban. Now this is also clear, because the kohanim who eat from Hashem's table, namely the mizbeach, they have to eat in the vicinity of the altar, within the chatzar of the mikdash. Whereas the shlamim brought by Am Yisrael may eat their korbanot with the participation from Hashem, within the entire city and not necessarily linked to the altar. As we approach Chaka Pesach, it's interesting to examine the time for eating the Korban Pesach. This sacrifice, also a type of Shlamim, may be eaten though for only one night only. Note that Pesach is eaten in the time that's common to both types of day. The night right in between, Hashem's time, and man's time. As opposed to a regular shlamim, which is eaten in the time period form by joining both two types of days, the nidavav the shlamim then truly brings shalom, peace between Hashem, the mizbeach, and the Baal ha korban, represented through the combination of time, God's time and man's time. Now that we've seen the basic difference between a nidavav shlamim and the Koche kochim, we're going to examine the second type of shlamim, the toda. The toda. In accordance with the laws of Shlamim, is slaughtered in the entire area of the Chatzer of the Mishkan. The place for eating is all of the city, all of eventually Yerushalayim, in accordance with the laws of Shlamim. However, the time for eating is mentioned explicitly in the Pasuk, Byom Karbano lo Loyan Yahmimenu ad boker One is allowed to eat the karban Tuda during the day in which it's offered and the following night. Just like, not a shlamim, but koche kochim, like a chatat. It appears that a Todah exemplifies some type of integration between the laws of Koche kochim and Koche kalim. For on one hand, they may be slaughtered anywhere within the entire temple court and eaten throughout the city, as with all shlamim, but on the other hand, the Todah may be eaten only during the day and the following night, as with Koche kochim. There is another aspect of the Todah. The fact that Matzot and Chalot are brought together with the sacrifice. Three different types of Matzot are mentioned. Chalot Matzot Blulot Bashamin, or Kike Matzot Meshuchim Bashamin, bisolat Merbechet Chalot Blulot Bashamin. The first two terms of unleavened cakes with oil mixed in and unleavened wafer spread with oil appears as a law that's applicable in only one other instance of an animal sacrifice. The ram that the Nazir brings is a Shlamim, when he purifies himself. Hazel noted this comparison and derived that the ram of the Nazir could only be eaten during the day and the following night, just like the Karban Todah, as opposed to an adava, which can be eaten an additional day. So let's take a look now at what distinguishes the Todah and the Nazir Shlamim, so that they're somewhat related to the Khatat, to the Katshe once again, we're going to return to the basic motivation that causes a person to bring a sacrifice in the first place. The shlamim are distinguished because they're not brought as kapara for a specific sin, as we mentioned in Parshat Vayikra, and they are almost never the subject of a divine command to the tibur, the public, or to an individual. The Shlamim are integrally related to the personal generosity a person feels as an Ebed Hashem, someone who desires to bring his animal to Hashem and therefore Hashem invites him to join in the feast and the two of them, so to speak, together with Hashem's servants, the maintenance crew, the Kohanim, will eat from the sacrifice. As expressed by Rashi, they spread peace in the world. They bring peace to the Mizbech, to the Kohanim, and to the owners. As such, the two time units also are combined to become one overlapping permitted time for eating the korban. In comparison, Koche Kochim are related to kapara. Usually, there is a chovah, an obligation to bring them. The owners of the korban are not invited to a feast when they bring these offerings, especially the olah, which is not eaten at all. But rather, those that bring them stand with a lower head. They request atonement or aspire for some acceptance before Hashem that there are two sacrifices that do not fit well into either one of these categories, the Todah and the Nazir Shlamim. On the one hand, both of these karbonot are tied to an inner voluntary motivation of the person who brings them. The one who brings the Todah wishes to thank Hashem for the kindness that he has bestowed upon him, for the salvation that he has been offered. The Nazir did not become a Nazir out of a Chovah, a religious obligation, However, both sacrifices are not brought in the same spontaneous manner as a neder or nidava. One who brings a karban todah, Thanksgiving offering, is responding to God's actions that were bestowed upon him. And in reaction to this, he brings a sacrifice. Similarly, the nazir, he is compelled by the Torah at the end of his nazir period to embark on a very specific process of purification even if his original nizirut was voluntary. So both of these karbanot are shrouded in an internal tension with regard to their motivation for bringing these offerings. And the tension is reflected by their laws. On one hand, they have some of the same laws as a nidava, as a, the shlamim that we discussed, infused with the characteristic of spontaneity, of sharing this karban with Hashem. On the other hand, the time for eating them is the same for a chatat and a nasham resulting from obligation, from a religious commandment, and therefore one eats them on Hashem's terms, in Hashem's time. Now that we've seen the uniqueness of a Karban todah, in that it shares some of the characteristics of kachay kachim and other characteristics of kachay kalim, the korban todah is brought to express thanks to Hashem when one is saved from danger. According to Rashi, citing from Masechet Brachot, this sacrifice is brought when one is saved from four types of danger— all of which are mentioned in the Psalm 107 of Sefer Tihilim. Rashi says, Im al Todaya Krivenu, Im al Dvar Hodaa, al Ne shenaselo Selo, Kagon, Yorday Hayam, Vahohe mid Barot, Vahavushi beta Surim, Vaholeshenitrape, Shehen Srikin Lahodot, Shakatur Bahen, Hodula Donai Hastov, Neflo Otab Lavne Adam, Vis of Toda. If he offers a Todah for a matter of thanksgiving or a miracle that was done for him, such as those who travel by sea or through the wilderness, and those who were imprisoned, and one who was sick and recovered, they must give thanks, for of them it's written, Let them give thanks to Hashem for his wonderful works to the children of men. If one examines Mizmor Kuf Zayan and Tihilim, Chodu Ladonai Kitov Kiliolam Chastov, One will note how the Mizmor continues to discuss four different types of tzarot, four situations of men who cry to Hashem in their trouble, and Hashem who subsequently delivers them from their distress. They must then give thanks to Hashem. These four are those who wander in the wilderness, the imprisoned, the ill, and the travelers by sea. The Mizmor describes people who are caught in dangerous circumstances, and in fear and anguish they call out to Hashem who saves them, they then thank him. This mismor as a whole describes man's feelings of dependence on Hashem and his need to thank Hashem when he saves us. Based on this, Chazal obligate a person who experienced one of these four types of dangerous situations to recite Berchat Hagomil, Amarav Yehuda Amarav, Arba'at Shichin Lahodot, yordei Hayam, Hochay Barot. Meshayahulebin trapei, U Misha Yahbush, Bibeta Surim, Via Tsa. Four must give thanks, those who travel by sea, those who walk through the wilderness, one who is ill and recovered, and one who was imprisoned and set free. What does he say? Amaravihuta, Baruch Hasadim Tovim, Amar, Vitzarech Asara Kamea Sara, The blessing is not simply a personal prayer that has to be said but must be said in public, as Abayi said, as a public statement of praise to Hashem in front of ten men. The purpose of thanking Hashem in public is to include the community in the individual's personal miracle, which naturally involves recounting to others the details of the events, because Hashem's name is thereby honored when his miracles are publicized. It's no longer only the individual, then, who gives thanks to Hashem and praises him, but the entire community. Based on this, we return to the question that we brought up earlier. Is the karban todah then an obligatory or optional service? Is it more like Koche shei kochim or katchei kalim? Must a person who is ill or in danger bring a karban todah? Or may he decide to voluntarily bring the sacrifice in order to express his gratitude towards Hashem? Rashi stated, Im alachat <laughs> nadar halalu, According to Rashi, one may make an oath to bring a korban todah, but one is not obligated to do so. Yet, in contrast to other types of optional sacrifices, the todah depends upon one having been saved from a dangerous situation, implying that it cannot be voluntarily brought whenever one wishes. However, Rav Yehuda stated in the Gemara, one must give thanks, whether verbally or by bringing a sacrifice, indicating that a korban todah is obligatory. It seems from the pasuk that the primary component of the korban todah is voluntary, for initially when a man feels grateful to God, he would bring a sacrifice to express his thanks. Later on, Chazal obligated one to thank Hashem for saving him from dangerous situations. In addition to saying Rechata Gomel, the obligation might include bringing a Karban Toda as well. But still, the main element of the obligation is to feel gratitude towards Hashem and to express that feeling by bringing the Karban Toda. Chazal sought to educate man as we do to educate our children to be grateful to Hashem. And therefore obligated him to bring the korban. not forgetting that ideally this should be a voluntary response out of a feeling of gratitude just as sometimes we tell our children as we leave a host say thank you and they may say thank you out of a sense of obligation but hopefully this will serve as training for them to recognize what it means to express gratitude even when one is not clearly obligated to do so. So it's possible that the purpose of the obligation of Chazal to bring the Karban Todah to say Brachat is to encourage man to express things to Hashem, since unfortunately not everyone acknowledges this need instinctively. The obligation to bring the sacrifice teaches man to recognize the need to give thanks to Hashem and express gratitude spontaneously. So even though, as we discussed, it may share some of the same qualities as a karban chovah, like a chatat, it is unique in that it is not an obligatory sacrifice. Even according to the Rashbam, who states that it's some type of payment, he understands that it's payment for an oath that one has made voluntarily. The sacrifice is brought when one decides to swear an oath to voluntarily bring a sacrifice. This act is motivated by a person's need to give to Hashem in order to express his love for Him. This mutual love is also expressed in the sharing of the sacrifice with the Kohen, with the Mizbeach, as expressed by Rashi. Rav David Zvi Hoffman writes, "Kerbanze hu suuda meshutefet laMizbeach laKohanim velaBaalim haSuuda hazot nacrei suudat shalom zavach shlemim heme taeretah harmonia ben haMakriv uven Hashem vavadav." The sacrifice is a shared meal between the altar, the priest, and the owner. This meal is called a meal of peace, the shlamim sacrifice. It reflects the harmony among the one who brings the sacrifice and Hashem and his servants. It is now clear why the Karban Todah is a type of Karban shlamim. The Karban Todah is brought when man feels that Hashem has been kind to him, has saved him. He feels God's love for him and seeks to express his love for God by giving back to him in an expression of gratitude. The laws of the Karban Tuda involve a communal feast of thanksgiving, accompanied by the eating of bread, and may not be left over until the next morning. We've discussed how this is parallel to another sacrifice, the sacrifice of the Karban Pesach. The Karban Pesach is also a Karban Shlamim, is eaten communally and must be finished by the next morning, and must be eaten on Matzot Umarim Yochluhu together with Matzah. So underlying these parallels is the concept that Karban Pesach is a national Karban Todah. Just as an individual brings a Karban Todah and recounts his miraculous rescue with a, a lot of bread, three different types of matzot and challah, he has to bring 10 loaves of each type of bread for a total of 40 loaves to ensure that this will be celebrated with many people, allowing him an opportunity to recount his personal story of salvation, so too, by Karban Pesach, the entire nation arranges a Feast of Gratitude. The Paschal lamb must be eaten in communities of people to allow for an opportunity to retell the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim and praise Hashem for his redemption of the Jewish people. Yet the similarities between these two sacrifices also highlight the difference between them. Both must be eaten with matzot, but the karban todah is eaten with both leavened and unleavened bread. The karban pesach, on the other hand, is only eaten with matzah, and chametz, the leavened bread, is strictly forbidden. Yesterday we discussed how pesach is still the beginning of a process. The commencement of counting is ultimately completed only on Shavuot, bringing the menchaj de Halechem, the loaves of chametz that are offered on Shavuot, also parallels the karban todah. For bringing leavened bread symbolizes gratitude to Hashem for the good land that He gave us and for the fruit that it produces. The fact that the two loaves are leavened bread expresses our thanks for the end result of the redemption, the fulfillment of tiv talti v'ka'alti karti veheveti that Hashem brought us into the land of Israel. On Pesach, we bring some type of korban todah, thanking Hashem for the initial Yitzi'ah, the redemption, from a state of incarceration in Mitzrayim. On Shavuot, we complete this Karban Toda as we bring Chamet, symbolizing the end of a process. We end today's Shi'or with a summary of the laws of the Karban Toda, appreciating the unique significance of this Korban. We begin with the aspect of giving thanks to Hashem, which is done not only verbally, but actually giving one's possessions. This is an expression of man's nature, which is to instinctively give to God for his kindness. That's why we find that the karban todah is the oldest form of sacrifice, whether it was Kayan and Hevil bringing their respective karbanot to Hashem as a form of karban todah, or Noach when he's commanded to leave the teva and he sees the world around him, he also offers a karban todah to Hashem, telling us that it's not enough just to say a bracha, but it seems that instinctively man does want to bring something to Hashem. Some say that the Karban Todah is obligatory for one who has experienced a miraculous rescue, but the Torah is in fact educating us regarding our obligation to give thanks. One who does not express his gratitude is not properly aware of the good that he has received, and therefore the Karban Todah shares qualities both with a Karban Chatat, an obligatory offering, but in its basic nature is a Karban nidaba. Part of the Karban Shlamim is eaten by the owners in contrast to the Katshi kachim, symbolizing a shared meal with Hashem. A Shlamim is a sacrifice that expresses love and closeness with God. The Karban Todah is brought with both leavened and unleavened bread, in contrast to the other grain offerings, which include only Matzah. This is because the Karban Todah expresses gratitude for Hashem's kindness, bringing one from a situation of danger and imperfection, symbolized by the Matzah, to a state of completion of a process represented by the leavened bread. But in order to remember that this is the completion of a process that involved trials and tribulations, and in order to deter man from becoming arrogant and prideful for the salvation granted to him by Hashem, one must accompany the Hamet, the leavened bread, with the Matzah. As a matter of fact, three different types of Matzot, recalling the three different stages of calling out and crying to Hashem. The large quantity of bread that's brought with the karban todah, 30 types of matzot, and 10 loaves of bread must be eaten in a short amount of time, just the day and the following night, giving us a sense that there's no way that the owner can finish this alone, which is why it forces him to invite others to partake of his sacrifice, transforming the meal into a feast of thanksgiving, to an opportunity for him to publicly recount the miracles that Hashem has bestowed upon him. The Passover sacrifice is parallel to the Karban Todah in a number of ways, and the time it must be eaten, and the fact that it's eaten with matzah, for the Passover sacrifice is also a national karban todah, in which we recount the story of Yetziat Mitzrayim and give thanks to Hashem. But there are still differences between the karban pesach, the karban todah, and the menchach de on Shavuot. The karban pesach is brought with matzah, the karban todah brought with both matzah and chametz, and the two loaves brought on Shavuot are chametz as well. The Karban Pesach expresses thanks to Hashem for one stage of the process of redemption and therefore is eaten only with matzah. And Shavuot, the process of redemption is completed both through coming into the land of Israel but also when Am Yisrael receives the Torah and therefore chamet, the end of the process, is offered. Tomorrow we return to the regularly scheduled program of Parshat Zav, dealing with prohibitions of consumption and Torah Kohanim, the instructions of the Kohanim, who are going to interact with man in the Mishkan.